Hello, this is the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church in Glenpool, Oklahoma. I'm Pastor Mike Branch, and I hope you're encouraged by the message from God's Word today. So excited about this morning and uh, just just what the Lord has got ahead for all of us, for this church family, and for those of you guys who are here supporting us. Once again, I want to thank you so much for, for coming to show your support. It means so much. Um, today, I want to share a little bit about why. Why in the world would uh, the Lord lead someone to plant another church, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I'm going to ask that you stand uh, with me and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. And we're just going to stand as we read God's Word together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. So then... You are are no longer strangers and aliens. Essentially, you're home now. You've been reconciled to God, so you're home. You are no longer a stranger or an alien. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So we see both uh, the, the, the guys that we love to read about in the Gospels And the guys that we love to read about in the Old Testament, the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he's building a house here. Christ is the cornerstone. Everything else is set according to Christ. So the walls are straight. The apostles on one side, the prophets on the other. And he's saying, you're part of this. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, even today, what he's called us to do today grows into a holy temple in the Lord. All right? This whole thing, past, present, and future, is a part of what God is building, and we get to be a part of that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your work. Lord, to get to see your hand moving and your hand in action. Lord, we want to see where it is that you're at work, and we want to join you. Lord, let us never do things on our own apart from you. Lord, we know how quickly we can get off into our own, uh, our own devices, Lord. We can get off into our, our own pride. And Father, we just we give it all to you today and ask that whatever you do in this place, whatever you do through this church family, that it would be your doing and not of ourselves to make your name great and not our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, one of the first questions I get asked is... Why do we need another church? There are churches everywhere. There are churches on every corner around here. It was that way in Tennessee. It was that way in Texas. There are churches everywhere. Well, this morning I want to make a case for you uh, in why we need to engage in the gospel mission in planting churches. It's, It's so important. And I think I can make a case just based on how the church, the greater uh, church, has influenced the, the world and especially in the United States of America over a period of years. Now, some of you guys have heard this before, 
and I'm not going to apologize because every time I read this, every time I go through this stuff, it encourages me and emboldens me even more to do what God's called me to do. And if you're like me, you've probably forgotten it since then anyway. All right. So do we really need more churches? And the answer is yes, because uh, if you recall, the first command God gave Adam and Eve was what? Be fruitful and multiply, okay? He made him a steward and he asked him to be fruitful and multiply. And the command of Jesus and the actions of Paul in the New Testament, it actually reflects that very first command in the gospel when we are to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. It's the same call to be fruitful and multiply yourselves, to multiply the gospel and reach as many people as we can. So that's number one. Number two, because everything, everything in this earth has a life cycle. Even churches have a life cycle. All right. And you might think that your church is like, you think, man, this is, this is First Baptist Church. It's never going away. Right. Uh, but but everything has, has a, a life, a birth, and a death. To be more specific, like we would say seed or the planting, then the birth, then you see gradual growth, then you see optimal growth where it's just taken off, then it reaches the apex or the, or the top of the mountain, and then all of a sudden it starts to plateau off becomes institutionalized, okay? Passions begin to subside. We start to do things for political reasons instead of for biblical reasons, okay? Or, or even cultural, okay? And then it begins to decline and eventually the death of that organization. You can plug anything into that model, even your own life, and that's, ex that's exactly what happens. Everything has a cycle of life, okay? So, um, if you don't understand the life cycle as a, as a body of believers and you make no effort to multiply, eventually you will see decline and then you will see the demise of whatever that organization is. And the church is not a local church. Let me specify, a local church uh, is, is no exception, okay? You have to find ways um, to reinvent yourselves to plant new seed and new churches and find new ways to reach out and minister to people. And so what I did was, well, what I asked the question, well, what did the first century believers do? When Jesus came, he finished his work, he resurrected, right? Uh, he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father. He's waiting to return. But in the meantime, what did those people do? They began planting churches, didn't they? That's what they started doing. So it makes sense that we should plant churches too. Churches are the organic product of the gospel itself at work. It's like when people accept Christ, then they need a home, they need a family, and the church is the, the, the actual mechanism for that to take place, okay? And it's not by happenstance. The church is part of God's great design. It's so important in God's design. The church is God's plan to extend the gospel of grace to the whole world. That's you and I. I like to say that that's plan A and there is no plan B. He has called us as believers, as followers of Christ, to spread the gospel of grace and to give people hope in a world that seems just hopeless. Amen? So, uh, 
it's interesting to note that not crusades, not radio broadcasts, not campus ministries, not mercy endeavors such as like mercy ships, uh, not educational institutions, not cultural renewal programs, right? None of those things will have the same consistent redemptive impact on a community or a city or a, uh, uh, than the church. And so the bottom line is we just need more churches. We need more churches. I'm going to make the case as to why. In the year 1820, in the year 1820, there was only one church for every 875 Americans. Okay? One church for every 875 Americans. By 1900, they began to just plant churches like crazy. They planted a lot of new churches and they cut that in half. So there was one church for every 430 Americans. So they saw the need when they came over to begin to plant churches and reach out to the communities around them. So one church for every 430 Americans. So at that time, it's also uh, one third of all churches, one third of every church that existed was under 25 years of age. So these were all baby churches, new churches, and they were reaching people like crazy. And they, they reached into the lives of everyday people and they actually brought about a major cultural shift in this nation, all right? Because of the influence that they had on the people around them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of us believe that we could use a major cultural shift right about now? Yeah, I know I got some amens out there. In 1776, at the birth of this nation, only 17% of those, believe it or not, there were a lot of deists and all that kind of stuff, but only 17% of, of those uh, colonialists at that time described themselves as Christians and they attended church weekly. That's a surprising number, isn't it? 17% at the, at the founding of our nation. 140 years later, by 1916, 53% of the American people described themselves as, as Christians and they attended church weekly. So you can see it went from 17% to 53%, over doubled, and you had half of the people in this country that was attending church every single week, involved in a local church community, a family, and they were active in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, where do you think we are today, just 100 years later? We have gone from 53% back down to 18% of our population that consider themselves to be Christians and attend church weekly. So we've gone from 50 back down to where we were when our country was founded. Something's wrong. Something is wrong when the body of Christ is not having the kind of influence and impact that we're supposed to have on our culture. And there are many reasons why that plummeted. Well, you got to ask the question, well, how did we get here? Well, Right after World War I happened, uh, towns across the country, they actually had their one church where they met at, and that was their church, and they didn't want any more churches, okay? And any time a new church came in, it began, it began a turf war, if you can imagine that, amongst churches. And it's like, hey, you're stealing my people, you're, you know what I mean? And so they began to, as the churches aged, they began to quell any kind of uh, outside church planting to come into their area, right? They wanted to be the only church in their area. 
So most of the older folks were the ones who resisted any new churches coming into their area. And the vast number of churches, here's, here's a, a big part of it, the vast number of churches, they can only get so big. When a church reaches 85% capacity, people aren't coming anymore. They just stop coming because there's too many people, okay, um, in a building, in a particular building. And the vast number of churches peaked in size in the first 25 years, and then they began to decline. So when that decline started taking place, and no other churches were out there planting new churches, what's going to be the result? So there ha it, it is imperative that there has to be a continual planting of new congregations. It is the single most crucial strategy for genuine growth in the body of Christ. And that is where we see life change taking place when you look at all the statistics across the board out there in, in Christianity, it's all happening when churches plant new churches or new missions endeavors. In, in We've seen this major shift in the last 10 years in planting new campus ministries. That's another way to promote new church growth. Do you understand? That's a great way to go about doing it. So, new churches statistically reach new generations best. New residents who move into the area, they're more likely to find a new church to get involved in because when people go to a new place, they feel awkward. Like I like making things awkward. Y'all know that. Um, so it's best that everybody feel awkward together, right? I mean, we're new. We, we, we all don't know each other. And so it's not like somebody has to come in and break through this thing that's been around for 25 years. We all don't know each other. So we get to, get, we get to know one another together and grow together. Okay, so they reach new generations, new residents, new people groups. And, and as I say, the statistics back this up. This isn't me just, just talking, okay? Uh, dozens of studies show that average new church gains, uh, an average new church gains 60 to 80% of its new members, listen to this, from people who are not previously attending a prior church. So either people were going to church and they left a church and hadn't been going and a new church plant starts up and they say, hey, let's go give it another try, okay? Or there are new people coming in, accepting the Lord, and then they become a part of that, that local church family. Churches over 10 to 15 years of age, this is interesting, they gain 80 to 90% of their new members by transfer from other congregations. So it's just people doing the church hop, okay? They go to one church, they decide they don't like it, so they move on to another church. And uh, new churches best reach, as I said, the unchurched, and they just grow faster. They just grow faster. Research also shows that churches that are fewer than 100 people, they grow twice as fast than churches that have over 100 people, okay? So there's just this built-in, um, I guess, passion to, to reach people when churches are smaller and people willing to get involved. So this means that our country, if we want to make a shift in our country culturally and see lives changing, then we should really give credence to a new strategy, which would be planting a lot of smaller churches rather than trying to grow big, huge churches in one location, but rather we're spreading out and reaching new people with smaller church campuses. And not just any church 
gathering will do. You have to be there for the right reasons. You have to grow for the right reasons, okay? People who have been disgruntled with their last church, they move on to somewhere else. That's not really a good way to move from one church to another. You need to deal with that offense or whatever it was that hurt you. You need to deal with that before you carry that into the next church that you go into, all right? There's a room right back there where all of you can go if you're disgruntled and you can just hang out in there and, and pray together, okay? Um, as I said, it's just so important that, that you, really you ask the Lord for forgiveness, uh, take responsibility, responsibility for any part you may have had in, in uh, that relationship coming to a close. But then understand that it's a new day. His mercies are new every morning, and it's, it's exciting to get involved in something new. And of course, we want you to be a part of this family. We just don't want you to bring your baggage with you, okay? We want to be free. Um, people who have impossible expectations because they want to recreate their uh, childhood memories of the church they had when they were kids, right? That's difficult on a pastor, on a staff, on people in a church when you come into a church and you just demand that things conform to your, um, you know, your personal preferences or the way that you want it, right? And then also, if you're Look, if your heart is to come to be entertained, it's a spectator deal, and you don't want to have anything to do with it, you really just need to check your heart, because that's not what the church is all about. It's not a spectator thing. And if you guys want to learn more about how we feel as a local body here about that very thing, you can go online and watch my message from last week, where we talk about unity and how we will fight to maintain unity in this church. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but we will fight to maintain unity in this church. Um, also, a congregation that's always wrapped up in drama, church politics, um, splits happen, it destroys churches, it breaks people's hearts. And again, how tragic it is when the body of Christ, who is supposed to offer the world hope and healing, and because of our own ridiculous uh, fleshly nature, we get involved in all of this mess and we just chew people up and we spit them out and they leave them lying in our wake. And they never want to walk into another church again. That is not the kind of church we will be. And we will be so protective of the hearts and the attitudes here that when we see, we're going to be accountable to one another. So when we see something like that rearing its ugly head, we're going we're gonna to deal with it, okay, together in love. That's just the way it's going to be. And then you guys get to decide whether that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. If not, you know, as we said before, there's like a lot of churches out there. We want you to go find one where you feel comfortable and will feel like home to you. But for us, that's where we're planting our flag. We are going to be unified, and we are not going to get into the, the politics uh, of, you know, church politics and power struggles and all that mess. All right? So, a local church has to be founded upon the revelation of God's Word, and it has to be founded upon the gospel mission. As Jesus said in Galatians 5.1, and I think this is so important, and what each and every one of us need to keep in mind, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. You are meant to be free. Now, what are the two ditches that we get into? Legalism, like the Pharisees, or you fall over into this license to sin where I'm saved so I can do whatever I want. Those are the two ditches. 
Well, you're meant to be free from both the law and from the power of sin in your life. So we're going to keep it right between those ditches, okay? And, and that is the big deal. The more free a congregation can be from legalism and from falling into worldly sin, the healthier that church will be and the more powerful the ministry that flows out of that local church will be. Now, when I consider scriptures, and this is important, I'm going to harp on this a lot, from Genesis to Revelation, I see the ultimate purpose of God's plan unfold. And I like to uh, sum it up in a nutshell like this. This is the gospel from the beginning of all things, which is creation. Here's how I sum it up. Creation, corruption, redemption, and restoration. So from the beginning of all things, which is creation, to the fall which is corruption, to Jesus' finished work on the cross, his, his death, His burial, His resurrection, that is redemption, to one day when He returns to redeem all things and make all things new. That's the restoration. We are still, right now, we're in the period awaiting Christ's return, His glorious return. We're in the area of redemption when we can offer people hope and say, you do not have to be lost in your sin. Your life does not have to be broken. There is hope. There is an answer. There is healing for you. And tell them about Jesus and how He changed your life. This church will be one that exalts Christ above all. We esteem the Word as our ultimate truth. There is no other source of truth in this world than the truth that God has revealed to mankind in the form of the Word of God. Encouraging to our local family, engaging in the gospel mission with eternity in our hearts. We know that this isn't the big show. This, this is the proving grounds. The big show is when we take our last breath and we're in the presence of God. What do we do with this time, that dash in between the birth and death date on that tombstone? What do we do with the dash in between? Are we going to use our life to serve God and promote the things of God and love people the way He loves people? Or are we going to live it for our own selfish desires and squander it? I'll tell you, I don't want to waste my life. That drives me. I do not want my life to be wasted on me. I want to spend my life on things that will be kingdom valued. Things that will be pointing people to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of God. And so if we do that, and all of these things mentioned here, out of these things, a healthy local church body can be grown. And if we want to nail down three points today, three points that will be the vision of this particular church. First, it's biblical gospel-centered discipleship. And at Bright Star Church, it's going to look like this. First of all, a vibrant, a vibrant kids ministry. But first, we prioritize the teaching of God's Word, first and foremost. We prioritize that over fun. And it's, secondly, it's not wrong to have fun, but it always needs to flow out of the truth. That is, we're teaching the kids God's Word, okay? First and foremost. A junior high and high school environment where, again, the gospel is promoted first. Where we talk about hard things. Where we have the courage to talk about the world and the state that it's in. And, and all of the different things that are pushing back against uh, God's plan in this earth. We're going to be very honest about those things. And junior high and high school students, they need to be able to hear those things as well. They need adults in their life who 
who are going to love on them and help show them the way. Okay? Uh, again, this is the vital age that they can be taught proper theology and, and they can be founded on a firm foundation so that when they go off to a godless uh, university where they're going to teach all kinds of crazy stuff, then they have a foundation upon which to build their life and truth and grow a family, their own family later on and not see their kids lost to the devastation of things like drug addiction and all the things that happen to uh, families who don't have their grounding in the Word of God and on the truth of God, okay? I'd love to see a college age and singles group and of course young marrieds where we are uh, teaching them uh, how to navigate the world and how to raise those kids uh, with a gospel foundation. Okay, so they're being, they're learning, they're standing on our shoulders, as I like to say, and they're seeing further down the road. If I can help someone 20 years younger than me see something that I have, it took me 40 years to see, then we've already won, okay? Uh, if, if they can see further down the road and we just keep building on that, then we are, you see the local body then is getting healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier as we grow. This these things build strong, healthy families, which in turn grows strong, healthy local church families committed to discipling and encouraging one another, focused on what God has called the church to do. If we're doing what we do for any other reason, y'all, we're missing the point. If we're doing it for any other reason than the gospel and seeing lives change, we're missing the entire point. And that is why we will be genuine in all we do. That is why I'm going to make silly mistakes and say dumb things, right? You can, keep a, you can keep a list if you want of all the dumb things I say, all right? Um, and, and we're going to mess up sometimes in our worship time together. We're not, what I'm saying is we're not here to, to make a production or put on a show. We're here to be a family and, make, and glorify Christ alone, and that's what it's all about. Amen? Okay. So, um, for us, what, what gospel-centered discipleship is going to look like beyond our walls is planting new, vibrant churches. So, later on down the road, and we're just a, we're a baby, okay? Babies don't automatically have babies. We need to grow, we need to be committed, and we need to plan and get ready to plant new churches, but we can't do that until we establish ourselves as a family first. But you can bet that that's where we're headed. We're going to plant new, vibrant, healthy churches in other communities and other areas down the road. That's the goal. Uh, each one having their own unique fingerprint, and this is important. This leads me to our second and third areas of ministry that will be unique to this local church family. Number two is proclaiming the gospel through the arts. Proclaiming the gospel through the arts. There's an appropriate time and place to use the gifts that God has given many of us, okay? In things like acting and singing and, and prop building and all of these different things, these talents that God has given us. And the gospel can be preached in a powerful way using these types of things, these productions, these celebrations, things like that. And, and we, uh, my family, and even many in the room, some who have come from Texas, they've seen how we do this. They've been involved in musical theater within the local community, outside of the church walls uh, for a number of years now. Uh, we also have done things like songwriting, 
acting, singing, video production, all of that sort of thing. And we want to use our talents and gifts to continue doing these things in the community uh, in a way that glorifies the Lord. And sometimes that doesn't mean cramming stuff down their throat. It means working alongside them, loving on them, rubbing elbows with them as you're working together and just being a God influ godly influence in their life. And as you do that, there's doors that open for you to build a, a, a relationship with them and then share the gospel. You don't always have to immediately walk up to someone and say, if you were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to say to you, if, uh, it, you know, why should I let you into heaven? You don't have to go that route all the time. Build some relationships first. There's a time and place for that. Don't get me wrong. But build a relationship with the people that you're rubbing elbows with and then present the gospel in a way that you're doing it because they know you love them. Okay? All right. So we're going to talk more about how we will express as a church the gospel through the arts. We'll talk more about that in the near future. And number three, serving the special needs community. This is staggering. 85% of families who have a member of the family with a special need, 85% of those families do not attend church anywhere because there are no accommodations for them. And many of them have been asked to leave the church because they have maybe an autistic son or daughter that's too loud. Let me just say this. It's the people in this room that decide whether or not something's going to be a distraction. So if we've got an autistic young man who runs up on stage with me, then praise the Lord. We're here loving on their parents, giving them a place to belong. We can get over the noise or the disruption that most people would think is a noisy disruption. To us, that is a joyful thing. Amen? That's just where we're going to be. All right? We will give them a place. I think it's a tragedy that these families don't have a place, a church, a place to call their church home. So if you can imagine with me right now how many families are within a 20-mile radius that do not feel welcome at a church because they've been asked to leave or simply because maybe in their own mind they feel like their child or family member is a distraction or a disruption or a burden for the local church. We will unequivocally communicate to our community that they are not a burden, that we want you to come, and we are going to love on you. All right? Um, for now, we are going to do that in whatever way we can. One of the very first ways we do that is a night to shine. This is a prom night that we do uh, for uh, young people with, with special needs. So we will, for instance, rent this gym. We'll convert it just like a prom night at a high school. We will roll out the red carpet. We'll bring them, uh, we'll have a limousine and paparazzi out front. We make them feel so special when they come in here. And their night is all about them. And to top off the night, each young man gets a crown and each young woman gets a tiara. And, uh, and we send them out knowing that they're loved. And we're going to do it every year we possibly can. And so that's an area that you guys can get involved and help. And then I've got some bigger plans for the future, but we'll talk about that as well. Uh, we want to serve local special needs organizations. Uh, if you have a connection to some and you're willing to let us know about it, then we want to get involved with that as well. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Most churches want to grow fast. They want to buy land and they want to build a church building that, you know, so they can point at and say, look at what God did, right? Well, what I want to do is I don't 
when we, if and when we ever build a building, and I say if and when because if this is a gospel-centered family that's loving on one another, and we have to rent this building from here on out, then so be it. But if at some point God would bless us with uh, land and the opportunity and the finances to build a building, we will not build a church building. We will build a community center with the purpose of using to serve our community around us in the areas of the arts and special needs. So this would be a place, if you could imagine, uh, uh, and, and I know moms like this, okay? They spend all day taking care of their boys or their children who are special needs. They never have a time to take a hot shower or, or, just, or just spend some time because they're 24-7 on watch, okay, for their kids to, to keep their kids safe. Well, what would it mean if, if all we did is had a place where moms and dads, which by the way, 80% of those couples who have a child in a home with a special need, they wind up in divorce. What if we would just simply do something where we have a building, we have qualified staff here, Bring your child here. We will watch them, whatever their need. We will tailor make it for your child and their need. And you and your husband can go out and eat dinner and have a wonderful time together. And we will build into the, the lives of those families who are being so neglected by the greater uh, church. Okay? That's my heart. That is my dream. Um, and as I said, most of that stuff will be down the road as the Lord provides. And a lot of it's going to depend upon this family that we grow and your ability or willingness to commit and help be a part of this. See, it's all pie in the sky without dedicated hearts and hands that make the dream actually come alive. I can't do it on my own. So I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. And I'll throw the stuff out there and I will work my tail off to make it happen. But I can't do it without you. I simply can't do it without you. And so that's what I'm asking is for you to pray about whether or not you want to be a part of this local church and this vision that we look forward to as God opens the door. So the vision of Bright Star Bible Church is this, just to, to lay it all out for you. Out of biblical gospel-centered discipleship flows a healthy local church body with a focus on planning of, of new healthy local churches Honoring God with our talents and expressing the gospel through the arts and loving service to special needs family in our surrounding area. And I want to ask you to pray about whether or not you would be a part of that local family. Pray about it and let's talk about it and then let's get to work doing what God has led us to do. Amen.